0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website libertyfamilychurch.net.au The new life. In the start of Ephesians 4, Paul made the switch and we were exploring that the other week when we were looking at the start of Ephesians 4 and unity in the church. And this week, Paul continues on in Ephesians, we're going to continue on in Ephesians to explore what the new life, the new life in Christ practically looks like, as, you know, it's the abundant, the fulfilling life that is ours to live because of Jesus, through Jesus, and empowered, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. I said it last week, and I'll say it again right at the start of today's message, The power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. We are changed, we are strengthened, and we can live in light of the gospel and can live the Christian life only with the gospel as our very foundation and the gospel as our fuel. It's the gospel that leads us, that actually compels us to live out the teachings of scripture with joy and leads us. It compels us to honour Jesus as led and empowered by Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So before we jump in and explore the end of Ephesians chapter 4, let's just pray as we open God's word and invite Holy Spirit to really speak to each of our hearts exactly where we're at today. And if you're seeking today, I just want to encourage you, reach out and invite God to speak to you even right now for the first time through his spirit. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the wonder of your word. We thank you, God, that your word is truth. We can base our lives on it. It doesn't just contain truth. It is true. Fundamentally, it is everything that we need in life. It is our guide. It is our foundation. It brings us joy and hope. And Lord, your heart is that we would meditate on it day and night. And God, we pray that as we explore Ephesians, that Paul's great letter, the epistle, to the church in Ephesus, Lord, that we would not just see it as great advice or insights for Christian living that was applicable for people all the way back then in the early church, but Lord, that we would do the work of contextualizing these truths for our own day into our own hearts so that we might be transformed and live in light of the gospel too. So we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, so now let's start with a very quick recap of the culture around Ephesus at the time. Ephesus, as I shared quite a while ago, it was a centre, one of the key centres in the ancient world. And it was a city that was actually centred around the worship of the prophetess Diana, or in the Greek, Artemis. Now, you might know that the Temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a remarkable place that played a key role in the society of the day. You know, I was researching a little bit more into it. In the temple back in Paul's time, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, the temple was used as an art gallery. There was had a massive, extensive uh, range of incredible artwork from all over the place. It was a place to seek asylum if you're in danger or if you were running away from some other country or something like that, you could go there and be safe. It was a bank. It was also a place where people did business. Silversmiths, you might remember Paul uh, in some of his letters had wrote about the silversmiths and the silversmiths were complaining because they were, the, the apostles were preaching the gospel and it was putting them out of business. Well, it was a place also, this temple was a place to do business and they sold these little idols made out of silver that people would carry around with them or take them back into their homes. And I'll say it because it's true, it was also a place to engage in erotic worship rituals. Now, look, I'll keep it PG today. Historians suggest that the worship people Offered, and I say worship because this is what it was, but the worship people offered the pagan goddess Artemis often involved mass orgies with all kinds of shameful sexual activities going on. It's safe to say, here's here's the point in sharing this, it was safe to say that the culture at Ephesus in Paul's day was not one that honoured God. Or ultimately, if we think about it, was actually any good for people or the broader society. Ephesus was a sinful place. The people of Ephesus walked in rebellion against God. They lived for pleasure and they sinned to their heart's content. Ephesus was, as a result, naturally a dark place that desperately needed the good news of the gospel. It needed transformation. And so this is why, this is kind of the basis For why Paul makes such a strong exhortation, a strong call to the church to no longer walk like this, to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. If we read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 19, we can see this right here. Here's what Paul writes. Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Pretty strong words, but pretty strong words that are actually a good warning, a good warning for people then, but also for us as we engage as people of faith in our culture today. Where now, look, I'm, I'm hoping that this is true because if it's not, you can feel free to give me a call and I will prioritise time with you because you're obviously in need of some serious help and encouragement. We're not spending our time worshipping like the temple attendees back in the days in Ephesus. But while this is the case, while I'm sure this is true that we're not worshipping like that, we are, we can all too, or we can all too easily conform to the culture of the society around us and fall back into our previous before Jesus ways, can't we? Would you agree with that? I can, I'll be honest, and I reckon if you're honest, I'm sure you can too. All of us can become, as verse 19 says, callous and can give ourselves up to sensuality and be greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That, in a nutshell, is the mankind's condition without Christ. That is, mankind's natural sinful condition without Jesus. And that's the truth that Paul's bringing home for us yet again. And that's the place of darkness separated from the grace of God that Paul is urging the church then and us today to refuse to align ourselves with any longer. To say, that's enough. I'm having no more to do with that. We're not called, as no doubt you know. Maybe you don't know. But this is what the Bible says. We're not to be... We're not called to live as people of darkness. We are called to live as people of light who remain in the light with Jesus Christ being the light of the world. And in verses 20 through 32, Paul points us to the better way, the new life, the way of light, the way we learned in Christ, the very way of the gospel. It's a truly beautiful, fulfilling, Jesus-honoring, abundant, living way that demonstrates the incredible character of God to others and shows them just how remarkable and wonderful our God is. And if we think about it, that is one of the reasons why Paul wants us to no longer live as the Gentiles do, but to live as people of the light so we can shine Jesus, so we can demonstrate practically, visibly, the better way, the way of the new life. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 32. He says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt, Through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were all sealed. You were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, And clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here, as always, Paul hones in on some key and important spiritual truths. And he's touched on too many here in this passage to focus on even in a month's sermon series. So what we're doing today is I'm just going to focus in on three ways, three key ways that we embrace the new life in Jesus Christ. The first one by putting off, the second by being renewed, and the third by putting on. Putting off, being renewed, putting on. Before we unpack these in just a moment, please just let me say this. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has done the work and we're called to walk joyfully in light of the work that he has done. To respond joyfully to the grace he's shown us by actually living lives of gratitude, living lives that worship him, living lives that beautifully reflect the wonder of His wonder and His grace to other people. As I said earlier, I'll never stop saying this, so you will get sick of me saying this line over and over again. The power is not in us. The power is in the gospel. The power is not in our ability to somehow be moral. The power is in the transformational power of the gospel. We are changed, we are strengthened, and we can live out the Christian life only with the gospel as our foundation and fuel. And when the gospel is this for us, when the gospel is our foundation and fuel, we find ourselves wanting to live lives that please God and will naturally and joyfully walk in the way of Jesus in Life. We won't get it perfect, of course, but by and large, our lives will be characterized by looking more like Jesus than looking like the Gentiles, in Paul's example here. We can be sure that just like God loves to lead his church, his beautiful bride, in unity together, as we looked at last week, that God also loves to lead us in right living by Holy Spirit's power. We can be sure of that, friends. And Paul's reminding us here with these three things that Jesus has done it. It's ours for the taking. Abundant life is on offer for us, but we still need to align our will with him. We still need to choose to align ourselves, to humble our spirits, to align our hearts with him so he can move in us and use us and shape us in his likeness. And we do this by, this is what the Apostle Paul says, by putting off, being renewed and putting on. Okay, let's start with the first. We embrace the new life in Jesus by putting off. What are we to put off? Where to put off, Paul says, the old self, or literally where to put off the old man. Ephesians 4, 20 to 22. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I think of clothes. Maybe you do too. What's one of the things that you do? Maybe you love gardening like I do or having a woodworking project that sometimes leaves me pretty messy and pretty dirty and covered in sawdust. What's one of the first things you do? Yep, you pretty well, you'll take off your dirty boots You'll take off your dirty clothes to get prepared to go and get renewed, I guess in a sense, through a beautiful, refreshing shower. And here's the thing. This is kind of what Paul's hinting at here. He's he's getting at that it's so easy for us, even though we've we've been made new and can, through Holy Spirit's power, freely embrace this life in Christ, the new life, it's so easy for us to just stick in our old, dirty clothes, so to speak, or stick in what we're used to in terms of continue to try and align ourselves with the old life, the life we lived before Jesus. A pastor from the US, Stephen J. Cole, shares a, a useful illustration that he heard from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and then he comments on it, and I His insights are really valuable, so I want to quote this in full. Here's what he says. When Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, they were officially free from their many years of servitude, but some of them went on living as if they were still slaves. The president's proclamation gave them legal standing as free citizens. It was a done deal. They were no longer slaves. But out of habit and way of thinking many of these poor people still lived like slaves. So they needed to live in accordance with the new facts. When they were tempted to think like a slave, they needed to say, no, the truth is I am now a free man. They needed to appropriate that truth into their daily experience. Even so, our old life involves a process of being corrupted by the lusts of deceit. Sin deceives us into thinking that it will give us freedom and fulfillment. But it's a lie. Sin only defiles, enslaves, and ultimately destroys the person who is deceived by it. When Christ saved us, he liberated us from bondage to sin. We died to sin by virtue of his death on the cross. We were raised to new life in him. Now... We must daily put off the dirty clothes of sin and put on the new clothes of righteousness and holiness in him because he freed us. There is still in us a strong tug toward the old life, but we do not have to yield to it. The changed life involves putting off the old man. That's what Paul's getting at here in Ephesians. We join with Jesus in growing in his likeness and embracing the, the new life in Christ by choosing to put off the old man, to actively stand against the familiar. And perhaps if we're honest, the super comfortable and even kind of maybe enjoyable temptations that come our way that we know deep down will only actually lead us back to our past lives, lives not lived to the full, lives characterized, plagued by sin, lives that were really no good for us and ultimately brought no honour to God at all. So Paul's encouraging us here. His encouragement is straight to the point and clear. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back to the old man. Don't go back. Take off the old. Put off the old. Actively stand against Aligning yourself again with the old and allow Jesus to renew you. We all are called to allow Jesus to renew us. So that's the first. We embrace new life in Christ by putting off. And here's the second. We embrace new life in Christ by being renewed. If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that God calls his followers to continually work out their salvation. In other words, we're to continue to join with God, with the Holy Spirit, in simply becoming more like Jesus. Theologians call it sanctification, becoming more and more sanctified, becoming more and more like Christ. Day by day, little by little, moment by moment, that's what we're called to do. And in Philippians chapter two, verse twelve to thirteen, Paul says this, which speaks right to this point. He says, "Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure." And part of God's good pleasure, in us is seeing us become more like his son. That brings God no end of pleasure to see his children growing in the fruit of the Spirit, growing in his likeness, growing in his character. And as we've seen, God loves to see this and he's the one who does work in us through the Holy Spirit, but we still need to play our part. We still need to work out our salvation as We follow and serve Jesus throughout every area of our lives. And in Ephesians 4, verse 23, Paul points to a key way through which we experience this renewal, this becoming more like Jesus working out our salvation, renewal by the Spirit. Here's what he says, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What's Paul saying here? He's not speaking of the Spirit in terms of the Holy Spirit. So what's he what's he getting at? Well, when Paul urges us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, he's simply talking about having our thinking renewed, having our thinking renewed, having our minds changed as we think in new and right ways as we immerse ourselves in the truth about Jesus and the wonder of the gospel. That's what Paul's getting at. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we're transformed not by conforming to the patterns or the, or the thinking of the world in which we live, but rather we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. We're simply, friends, this is it. This is as simple as it is. This is as straight as it is. We are transformed and renewed as we fill our minds with the truth of God's word and then meditate and enjoy and marvel at all of those truths. That's it in a nutshell. In Ephesians 4, verse 20 to 21, I know I kind of skipped over them before. But we'll head back there right now. Paul raises this exact thing, this important truth when he writes this. Verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Do you see that, friends? We learned Christ. We grow and understand more about who Jesus is and the wonder of the gospel ultimately as we hear about him as we are taught in him, as we learn Christ. And how do we learn Jesus? How do we learn Christ? By reading the wonderful Bible that God has gifted to us. That's one of the key ways to grow in Christ's likeness and to live in light of the gospel. And it says there in verse 21, the truth is in Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself declares that he is the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How do we renew our minds? We renew our minds and actively step well away from the old self by focusing in on Jesus by looking to him, by thinking on him, by getting caught up in who he is, what he's done, and through spending time soaking in his word and enjoying being simply in his wonderful presence. That's how we renew our mind. And as we do this regularly, as we do this day by day, little by little, you can be sure, Maybe you know this to be true from experience or maybe you're seeking today and you want this to be true for yourself. You can be sure that your mind, our minds will be transformed and renewed. His thoughts, Jesus' beautiful thoughts that are always good, completely good and fully pure start to become our thoughts. And day by day, year by year, we open ourselves up to experiencing more of the abundant life that he longs for us to experience, the new life as our minds are renewed and function and actually work more and more like his. Okay, let's recap. So we embrace the new life by putting off, second, by being renewed, and here's the third and final one for today. We embrace the new life by putting on. Here's how Paul guides the members of the early church in Ephesus in what it is that they're to put on. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Not only are we to actively join with Jesus in putting off and having our minds renewed, we're also called to actively join with Jesus and put on the new self. So what does this mean exactly? Well, essentially, what Paul is getting at is kind of what we touched on before and what Stephen J. Cole kind of touched on in that quote that I shared earlier. Basically, we are to make what is true for us positionally, so, in terms of our standing and relationship with Christ, the fact that we are in Christ, that we're no longer aligned with our old self and our old ways, where to make that true experientially, where to make that true in our day to day existence, our day to day lived experience. And in the remaining verses of Ephesians 4, Paul unpacks exactly what happens when we do this in step with Holy Spirit. We don't do this in our own strength. It doesn't work. It becomes moralism. We try and work to earn God's favor or it's a dangerous slippery slope where we we do things in order to look good even. None of that works. It's a futile pursuit. Don't go that way. Simply put on by opening your heart and inviting Holy Spirit to help you to put on and make these positional truths true for you in your lived experience by his power. And Paul says what happens when we join with Holy Spirit in playing our part in the process. Our personal character grows, it shifts, it becomes more like Jesus. And here's the great thing, friends, we are individually members of the church, but we're collectively members of our church and we're collectively members of the global big C church as well, and when we become more like Jesus, it's good for us. It's good for our local church community. It's good for the broader Hillsville and Yarra Valley community, and it's also good for all the communities to the very ends of the earth as well. And as we read earlier, I just want to I just want to paint this picture for us again in in context here. This is what happens when we surrender and allow Holy Spirit to help us to put on and become transformed through putting off, having our minds transformed, and then putting on and allowing Christ to truly transform and make these realities true, lived, experienced through his power and ours alone. This is what Paul says happens in Ephesians chapter 4, 25 to 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is some kind of new life, isn't it, friends? I um, misquoted the passage that I read. That was all the way through to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. What a description. What a beautiful description of what happens when we put off, have our minds renewed, and put on with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this new life, here's the thing, this new life is available to anyone. This is available to anyone, to any person who humbles themselves, reaches out to Jesus, and chooses to place their faith in him. And if you're with us today, and you are seeking spiritual truth, hear Jesus' words today, friend. Hear Jesus' words and accept that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you do, you'll find forgiveness, you'll find hope, you'll find joy and freedom in relationship with him, and he'll lead you in seeing this new life come about in your life. If that's you, friends, turn to Jesus this morning. He's ready and waiting to receive you and welcome you home. And if you're someone today who already would see yourself as a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years now. But for whatever reason, you've recognised that you've kind of just gone off track a little bit. You're just not where you want to be and where God would ideally have you been in step with his spirit. Can I just encourage you, now is the time to get back on track. It's never too late to get back on track with God. Jesus wants to see you walk in the freedom that he's actually won for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he freed us from the power of sin. He broke that power and he opened up the way to live an empowered and spirit-filled life in step with the Holy Spirit. That can be yours to live today and every day. It's not always great. It's not always mountaintop. Sometimes we go through dark times, even with Holy Spirit's power enabling us but the beautiful thing is God is always with us as we join with Holy Spirit and seek to serve him and grow more and more like Jesus. If that's you today friends I just want to encourage you reach out to Jesus afresh and invite Jesus to renew your own mind as you put off and put on. How about we just pray as we close our time in God's word this morning. God, we are just in awe of you. We thank you, Jesus, for the wonder of the word. We thank you for Paul's writings to the church in Ephesus and how not only was it encouragement for people then and has been encouragement for people all through the ages until 2021, but it continues to be an encouragement to us right now with what we're facing and will till you return to earth once again. And so we thank you, Jesus. We pray that we would be people who walk in step with your spirit, that we would be people who don't try and live a moral good existence by ourselves, but we would be people who are transformed with the renewal of our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that we would join you and live in light of the gospel by putting off and refusing to have anything to do with our old man, our old sinful ways that... that We thought may satisfy, but truly showed that they never did. And instead, that we, with your help, Holy Spirit, would put on and live and embrace this new, triumphant, free, fulfilling life in relationship with you. God, would you do this work in us, whether we are seeking you out for the first time, even right now, or whether we've been a Christian for many, many decades now. God, do this work in us. We want to grow little by little Day by day, year by year, we want to become more like you. So God, we thank you for the new life, this beautiful new life that is ours, simply because you are a good God and Jesus was faithful to the very end. We thank you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.